0: Frequently, on you know, on yearly basis, I would you know train a, a hundred between billionaire and multi, 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 multi millionaires, and they're all miserable, and and it's really, really eye opening. It's really eye opening that you get everything that the modern world is is telling us is what we need, but in reality, you're still unable to find that contentment and peace and happiness with the situation, while you, Joe, would go into a race where you're half to, you know, half of you is buried in snow, and you can find that, you know, like I'm happy with this, I'm okay with this, I'm enjoying this. Now, this difference is to be understood. Hmm? You know, take take the situation we're in now, COVID nineteen.
1: Welcome to the Spartan Up podcast with Joe Desena, founder and CEO of Spartan Race.
2: We are talking about overcoming obstacles. The same way we teach people to get over obstacles on the course, we will teach you here on the Spartan Up podcast to get over obstacles in your mind.
1: Mo Gadette, today's guest on Spartan Up, says happiness, like fitness, is something you can build. The author of Solve for Happy and the former chief business officer of Google X is today on a mission to teach the art, the practice, and the science of happiness. This episode of Spartan Up is brought to you by Headspace. You deserve to feel happier and Headspace is meditation made simple. Go to headspace.com slash Spartan for a free one-month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every
0: situation. Call me Mo or Hey, and I'll be fine.
2: <laughs> and and, and um, you've got a podcast called Slow Mo. And my little bit of understanding is you want us all to slow down. Explain that.
0: Uh, well, you you and I are you and i are not that different let's put it this way we we want to find the optimal path through life okay i believe that the modern life ha- comes with a ton of waste right it really really consumes you in ways that are um not good for your mind for your being if you want and and that while we believe somehow that rushing around in life and doing more and wanting more and engaging more is good for us. uh, I think doing that wisely would allow you to uh, get the good out of it, but at the same time, allow yourself to slow down. And when you slow down, lots of interesting stuff happens. You, You start to you start to find that space in your mind to reflect on what you actually want, what you're doing well, what you can do better, what you need to change about your life. But it also allows you to connect to yourself in many ways. You know, uh, a lot of the Spartan work is around getting us embodied into, into that, you know, physical form that needs to, you know, when you were talking on, on, on slow-mo, you said it's like a pool. Huh? It's, it, it needs to be, uh, uh, the pump needs to run. Similarly, the mind. Our mind is so full of clutter and somehow to clean that clutter you need to get out of the swamp you need to get out of that noise you need to spend time where you can reflect and find your true path if you want your better path in life
2: what if what if the exercise and the hardship practice that i speak of as spartan what if i told you that that helps clean the mind is that totally I, I, I think I think we need to clean the mind and get blood flowing and, you know, it's not enough to just sit around and slow down.
0: Yeah, so definitely not. It's not at all. Huh? So it's not one or the other. OK, I think what the exercise does is it purges the mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, again, when, when we were talking, you were, say, you, you were saying about that Spartan line, huh? the, the idea of me going through a little bit of uh, a stretch for my typical capabilities gets me to really connect with the reality. It gets me to connect with what, what I, can, uh, I, can, you know, I need to understand about life. But the, the truth about life, Joe, is that we create a lot of illusions in our mind that are not a choice. Believe it or not, they are conditioned into us. Uh, they are told to us by advertisement, by sometimes a spiritual teacher or a religious background. They're told to us by our friends, our mothers, our family, and so on and so forth. And all of that conditioning requires, requires you to purge it, uh, not just um, on regular basis, but you need to find the route that continues to bring it up if you know what I mean. So, you know, you, you can have so much clutter in your head, you go for a, for a run and that clutter goes away, right? But then there is this little sore part in your head that continues to, to generate that clutter again. And if you manage to find that bit and work on it, right? If you, if you, if you manage to find that bit and actually kill it, mm, somehow it doesn't come up again, or at least it comes up much less frequently. And that is work that is not done by removing the symptoms, the the you know lactic acid on your muscles. It it, it doesn't you know if you found a way to remove the reason for that, uh, then it becomes easier uh, you know to 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 find a state of calm and bliss and happiness.
2: That makes perfect sense. We got to get to the root cause of the issue, and I know I sound like such a. Um a one-focus guy.
0: We all are. (laughs) (laughs) To to, to a hammer, everything is a nail, right? So, you know, to me, it's all mind training and work and engineering. And to you, it's all, you know, Spartans.
2: I'm a one-focus guy. As you said, we all are, right? Um, Maybe part of the reason, maybe in some instances, Mo, how do you feel about this? The reason people are in their own head, the reason the clutter is appearing is because they're eating shitty food, not exercising.
0: Totally. So, so in my, in my, um, in my theory, so I, so I, the, the famous part of my work is something that's called the happiness equation. Right. And, you know, in, in my view, I, I, by the way, we, we need to come to a definition of what happiness is, because happiness is not just a waste of time. It actually is a mindset that allows you to perform in life. Huh? But but in the happiness equation, I say that happiness is predictable, that you can actually follow an algorithm similar to training huh? similar to, to the idea of if I he- eat healthy and work out, I'll be fitter. If I make happiness my priority and do the work, I'll be happier. Now, the, the challenge here is the following, huh? the, the, that state of happiness only happens when your basic needs for survival are met. So, so, you know, if you look at any child, any infant you've ever seen, if they're safe, if they're loved, if they're, you know, fed, if, they, if they're warm, if their basic needs for survival are met, their state is happy. They're playing with their toes and they don't want an Xbox. They don't care what people think about them on social media. They're just happy. It's our innate state, if you want, that calmness and peace of I'm okay with life as it is. Now, what happens, however, is that this state of happiness requires that basic need. There is a lot of research, for example, that says if your income is below the average income of the country you live in, which basically means you cannot put enough food on the table, you would end up feeling unhappy. It's very difficult to find happiness. And the more income you get until you reach that point, you become happier. It's basic need. Now, one of our basic needs is for us to feel healthy, is for us to feel that we're not throwing crap into our bodies all the time. And you're the biggest advocate of that. I mean, in reality... We have no idea that that stuff that we eat and we have, you know, again, when we were talking on slow-mo, you you brought up a very good point that this stuff is engineered in ways that are totally inhuman, right? You know, and and so because you're so off balance, you're so off your basic needs for being healthy, being fit, being vigilant. Remember, uh, the design we are in is I'm supposed to notice if a tiger is coming. If I'm binge watching Netflix and eating, you know, potato chips, you know, I could be half eaten before I even recognize that thing coming to me. Right. And so and so the reality is that healthy uh, form of being is a basic need for survival. And without it, it's very difficult to find happiness. Without it, you start to get all of those weird thoughts in your head. Okay, And those weird thoughts are partially because of the way you interpret life your conditioning right but also partially because of the situation you put yourself into if you're constantly in back pains you believe that life is horrendously unfair right but is it really unfair or is it your practices that are leading you to that place where you you know where you end up feeling that life is unfair and and I think those things are highly interrelated it's not one or the other it's one that drives the other
2: Here's an interesting thing, as you're talking about happiness and and making sure we have our basic needs i I went to a place in my mind I've been, I, I as i told you I, I did a lot of long distance races, one mm. race in particular, I was in waist deep snow for a couple of weeks it was very oh my cold, God. thirty Man. It, but but I was happy I was extremely yeah. happy totally and, and and i as I was thinking and you were describing i thought. Would would a billionaire would a billionaire have been happy in that situation? Because totally They would. They, they might have lost a bunch of money to be there. Would would somebody that's living below the poverty line on the income base? You know, would they be happy there? And I think I think no, but I think a lot of people would be happy there because because your machine is operating. I was walking and hiking. The sun was out. I was in waist deep snow. It was cold, but like. I don't know. I found a very calm, peaceful happiness. Day. Not to say I didn't want to get home and get warm because now I'm, now I'm really thinking about that time. Not to say I didn't want a good meal, but it's pretty rewarding and refreshing to be there. I had to, I had to hit mute because my kids started screaming in the background. Sorry.
0: So let's understand how happiness works. By, by the way, since I wrote Soul for Happy, Soul for Happy became, if you want, the engineering approach to happiness. It's a very logical way to a topic that is highly uh, mysticized, if you want, okay? And, and so I ended up uh, being invited to train tons of celebrities and, uh, you know, and ha- very high net worth individuals. So, so frequently, on, you know, on yearly basis, I would, you know, train a, a hundred between billionaire and multi, 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 multi millionaires. And they're all miserable. And and it's really really eye opening. It's really eye opening that you get everything that the modern world is is telling us is what we need, but in reality you're still unable to find that contentment and peace and happiness with the situation. While you Joe would go into a, a race where you're half to you know half of you is buried in snow, and you can find that you know like I'm happy with this. I'm okay with this. I'm enjoying this. Now this difference is. To be understood, hmm? you know. Take take the situation we're in now, COVID nineteen. Half of us uh, are actually excited and doing something about it, and engaging and creating new projects, and you know, handling it. And some of us are even, in, you know, happy about it. You know, I'm I'm really excited about the spare time that I get without traveling, that allows me to write more and so on and so forth. While others are completely miserable, like completely, the world is horrible, everything is wrong. And, you know, it's the same event. We're all being locked down the same way. We're all at the same threat and, you know, level of threat of a virus, which basically tells you there is something about your own makeup that turns an event into an event where you can handle or be happy about, or, uh, you know, turns the same event into, uh, I hate this, right? That is what I tried to describe in the happiness equation. So, so if you really look at every moment in your life where you felt happy, it wasn't a moment where life gave you something in specific. Okay, Uh, you know, rain doesn't make uh, anyone happy or unhappy. Right. Rain has no inherent value of happiness in it. If you wanted to water your plants, rain makes you very, very happy. If you want it to sunbathe, uh, rain, rain will make you very unhappy. Right. It's it's not rain itself. It's the way you look at life as you compare rain to your expectation of how life should behave. Okay. And so I, I describe that in an equation. I say your happiness is equal to or greater than the difference between the events of your life and your expectations and wishes and hopes of how life should behave. Now, you take the situation where you're in the snow. You can take that situation and in your mind say, I am cold. I am, uh, you know, miserable. I'm hungry. I'm away from my kids. And you'll feel unhappy. Okay. You can take that same situation and say, I'm making progress. I'm stretching my abilities, I'm proving to myself a new height of where I can go, and that is what I expect from myself. This is truly, from our conversation, which was the first time we met, this is truly the essence of Joe that I met. I want to make this being stretch himself to the maximum height, the maximum he can go, and as long as you're meeting that, you're happy, right? You're you're feeling content with life. You're feeling that life is worth your effort. Imagine if you were in that race and you were not performing, right? If you were in that race and you were not performing, your state would simply be, I'm very unhappy. Not because of the snow, hmm? but because you're missing your own expectations of Joe needs to perform. And that, I think, is where life becomes high. That is where life becomes really interesting. It's that comparison that happens in our brain that drives happiness and it's also, by the way, the same reason it drives unhappiness.
2: You know, I, I'm really lucky, and I think you're really lucky in that I figured out that equation at a young age, but I didn't, I didn't actually know it until you yes. just described it. And, and what I did was uh, a little bit of algebra every day.
0: <laughs> exactly.
2: Right. And what I would do is I would say, okay, this situation sucks, but, but, it could be worse. My expectations could be here. Yeah. Right. And if they were there, well, wow, I'm actually pretty, I'm pretty lucky. Totally. Right. And, totally. and, um, and so I, I think we could all use a little bit of that practice. Um, and I don't know, I don't know if you push that or not, but I suspect you do, which is, um, you know, compare here, here, here's the example. We, Spartan, at Spartan, we have a prayer. Not very mm. many brands have a prayer. We have a prayer. <laughs> and the prayer stems from a 1940s French paratrooper who died in World War II. They found the prayer in his pocket. Mm. And he basically said, God, you know, he wrote this out before he died. He said, God, look, everybody's asking you for the good stuff. They want to get back with their spouses, back with their girlfriends or boyfriends. They want to get back to a good meal, back to a house, back home you probably don't have any of that left. So give me the (laughs) worst stuff you got and promise me you'll keep it coming and give me the strength to deal with it. And, and, and so he just flipped it on its head. Right. Because, Mm. because if you're sitting there and you're waiting to get a good meal or get back with your family, but it doesn't come, you're going to be unhappy. Yeah. But if you're expecting the worst stuff you got, and it turns out to be an okay, you know, an okay day, you're like, Oh, I'm happy. This is an easy day.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, th- think about this is the absolute truth. By the way, that meal is not going to come. The problem with our modern world, Joe, is that we always expect another meal, right? So, you, you, if you live in India, and I know you've traveled in India quite a lot, huh? If you live in India, you expect I may not eat today. If they give you a bowl of rice, you're the happiest person on earth, right? But then go from India a little bit to the to, to, to you know to the uh, western you know cross through Dubai. Hmm? where everyone's expecting to park their you know, Rolls Royce and go in for the most expensive meal that is you know, covered with gold leaves. And suddenly you realize that, hey, you know what? If the gold leaves are not perfect, I'm unhappy, right? We always, humans, we, we can't be satisfied because every time we achieve a goal, we move the goalposts. Hmm? And the reality is, one way of finding happiness is to say, it could have been much worse. Remember, again, when we were talking on slow mo, I took a note because, and I told you, it will inspire thousands. The idea of the samurai, burning everything before they go to bed, huh? saying, "I could have lived a life today, where I lost all my family, all my possessions, everything." Okay, and I call that in my in my book, I call that looking down. Looking down is the idea of, you know, how we're raised in the West. In the, I mean, I'm 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 from the East raised with eastern you know traditions if you want and educated in the west and in the west we're taught about self-esteem and self-esteem is i need to feel good about myself because i did better than the other guy right and and of course the reality is you can't do better than the other guy on everything as a matter of fact you're doing better than the other guy on something and the other guy is doing better than you on another thing but there is this third guy who has a shitty life OK, that you completely ignore because you're looking at the guy that is above you, that is, you know, has a bigger house or an easier life or a, a, a taller wife, whatever that is. Hmm? And, and somehow, if you manage to look at the other guy below you, hmm, you'll find that you're so much better off, that you are so blessed. And by the way, you've, you've done fuck all to, to earn that right, because I'll tell you openly for that one sperm to reach that one egg. Out of a billion possibilities for you to be born to that family, to be educated that way, in your case, to go and, you know, work with that bomb mob leader that teaches you something that changes your life. The odds, the mathematical odds of that are bigger than winning the lottery. And yet here you are, you know, born in the U.S., for example, and not born in Syria. Hmm? And you take that for granted. You don't even think about it. Hmm? And you say, "Ah, oh, I am upset because my girlfriend, you know, she did say she said that on Friday. Like, what the hell? And on Friday, that guy was being bombed as he was running through the, you know, the, the maze of the broken, you know, uh, buildings of Syria as, you know, and, and, and haven't had anything to eat for the last week and doesn't know when he will eat next. And you're complaining about your girlfriend saying this, like, seriously, where do we get that from? When will we wake up to the reality of how blessed we are?
2: I was just thinking, if you and I took over the country, if we were like, if you were president, I was vice president, we could put in like a video game, like an app, av- a mandatory. <laughs> Everybody has to have an avatar in a very, very harsh place in the world. Totally. Right? And, totally. and whenever you complain, you automatically get zapped to that place.
1: <laughs> we'll be right back to the interview. But first, I want to talk to you about today's sponsor, Headspace. Meditation sounds great, right? So many of the guests we interview on the podcast have talked about the benefits. Mark Devine, Andrew Huberman, behavioral psychologist Rebecca Heiss, Ariana Huffington. But it's not easy. Today's sponsor, Headspace, is changing that. You probably tried meditation before and it didn't work, right? Or maybe you felt like you were doing it wrong. If mental health is part of your plan, and it should be, you owe it to yourself to try Headspace. Imagine your own little pocket-sized guide that helped you sleep better, focus better, and perform at a higher level. It exists, and if you have 10 minutes, Headspace can change your life. Meditation can help with burnout, with stress, even mood. Headspace has data to back it up. Check out the numbers. Four weeks of Headspace can increase focus by 14%. Only three weeks of use has been shown to cut aggression to negative feedback by a whopping 57%. That's huge. And with Headspace, you can be 28% less sad in just 10 days. You deserve to feel happier and Headspace is meditation made simple. Go to headspace.com Spartan. That's headspace.com Spartan. And you'll get a free one month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation. This is the best deal they offer right now. So just do it. Head to headspace.com slash Spartan and check it out. Okay, back to the interview.
2: We could put in like a video game, like an a mandatory. (laughs) Everybody has to have an avatar in a very, very harsh place in the world. Totally. Right? And and whenever you complain, you automatically get zapped to that
0: place. (laughs) Exactly. It's like, sit down, hold the controller and play but but you know what so i actually use that analogy quite a lot so i'm a very serious gamer i mean i'm a businessman chief business officer of google x or whatever that is but in my time i actually train like an athlete i'm one of the top 0.04 percent of all players in the world on a game called halo and halo when you really think about it is hell like your avatar is being shot at It's being squished with cars and vehicles. It's being dropped in lava. And when you really, really are in that place, you're completely uh, miserable. Like the avatar is completely miserable. When I played, I used to play with my late son. And my son uh, was, at the time, I was, you know, reasonable. I play difficult or heroic. He was legendary. He was what the game was written for. So when I played, I played like a strategic engineer. I start the level, I go to the right, and I run as fast as I can. And Ali would, would like put his controller down and go like, Papa, where are you going? And I'm like, Habibi, the end of the level is here. And he goes like, who wants to get to the end of the level? We're playing. We're, this is life is about that game. If you, end, if, you end, if you get to the end of the level, you die. Who, who freaking wants that? Right, you want to play, and he would go interestingly, almost like he's choosing to go to the Spartan race, huh? He he would go to the places where there are explosions and smoke. Okay, he would go to the places where it's really tough. And I go, like, but Ali, that doesn't make sense. Even if we're not running to the end of the level, let's at least find an easy path. And he goes, Like, but that's where all the fun is, that's where you develop and grow. And this is where you become a better gamer. And I think. You know, even though you and I come at at life from almost different opposite angles, this is the whole idea. The whole idea is I want to be a better gamer. Hmm? I want to be able to uh, uh, deal with life with the maximum potential that I've ever been given. And one way of doing that is to actually go through the tough parts. And the other way is to sometimes simulate those tough parts in your head to say, what if, what if instead of uh, you know, getting uh, my burger a little cold, I didn't have anything to eat for the last two weeks, okay? What if, if it wasn't COVID-19, hmm? what if it was the Spanish flu in the 1920s where we had no clue what, what we were doing, we had no Netflix, we had no, uh, uh, you know, Zoom to connect to each other, we had nothing, right? What what if this was World War Three? What if? Right. And if you start to think about all of those what ifs, play those scenarios in your head, not not in, you know, expecting them to happen. Suddenly they make you realize how fortunate, how blessed we are. This is the game. This is the game we're playing. And games are supposed to be tough.
2: I love that. I'm sorry about your son, um, but that's a that's a great memory. And you just gave me an idea that we should call it a Spartan simulation. So totally. Right. The next time you complain about anything, mandatory Spartan simulation. Tell yeah. us how. Tell us how it could have been worse.
0: You know. You know what's the best simulation, uh, uh, Joe? Fast for a day. Just yeah. completely. I mean, push yourself. Of course, if you're athletic, you're you fast most of the time. I mean, most of us intermittent fast now for a living, right? Yeah. But 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 really, you know, get yourself to as you as you as you said again on Slomo. You you know, get yourself to practice poverty. Okay. Tell yourself. Can I, thinking that I'm I'm not blessed, huh? can I actually leave my blessings for a week? Can I live... I always told people uh, when they came to me and complained about silly shit, which sadly happens all the time, huh? I said, okay, I'm going to ask you in your head. You don't have to do it physically. But I'm going to ask you in your head to, to do one thing for me. I want you to imagine that homeless person downstairs, you know, whether in New York in January or in San Francisco in the middle of, uh, you know, of all of the flamboyance of San Francisco. I want you to imagine that homeless person and go tell him what you just told him. Just imagine you sitting next to them and saying, "Ah, life is tough because, uh, you know, my girl said this and then my boyfriend did that. And, uh, you know, my friend didn't text me for a week and they didn't like my post on Instagram. And, you know, I'm locked down and binge watching Netflix because of COVID-19. And although I am healthy and I didn't die and I didn't lose anyone that I love, uh, I'm still complaining because, you know what, they're locking me down and the policy makers are so horrendous. And go tell that to the homeless person. Seriously, if you think you have problems, summon the courage and sit next to a homeless person who hasn't eaten anything, who's freezing his ass off in the, in the streets of New York, who is being ignored by everyone, avoided by everyone. By the way, not always for their own mistakes. Huh? By the way, many of them just life turned against them hmm? and they found themselves in that place. And, and, and go tell them that. And suddenly you will realize, I have no problems at all. You, know,
2: I'm, I'm, you and I never talked about it. I love that. You and I never talked about it. But uh, that mob boss that taught me back in the neighborhood, one day he said to me, there's another lesson, a fourth lesson nobody knows. He said to me, hey, Joe, because I was complaining about something. He said, if you put all your problems on the table right here and I put my problems on the table, you would take yours back. And that's, absolutely. that's really what you're saying.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And by the way, you know, you know what's really interesting, which is, again, what I love about your work, Joe, is that. So we have a saying, I come from the Middle East, so we, you know, we have a very strong Islamic culture that rules most of the tradition. And, and we have a saying in Islam that basically says, you will never be given more challenges than you're able to handle. Okay, Which is really interesting because you and I know as we grew in business, as we grew in life, as we grew in the number of people that depend on us, hmm? uh, that every time you became a little more capable, every time you handled a challenge, the next one was a little more difficult. It's the way life works, really. Huh? You know, yeah. if 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 you if you're if you're able to handle the game with ease, the game becomes a little more difficult because it wants you to reach that point of fatigue, almost like working out, so that you can become more fit. Hmm? And so in reality, I will tell you hands down, for every person on the planet, they think that their challenge is the hardest challenge on the planet. Because to them, this is this the 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 fitness level they are at, at handling challenges. So, so, you know, you, you, you take anything really. And you, you, you just take whatever you're going through and you go, like, it's so hard. If well, I, I sometimes say, you know, when, when my son left uh, our world, Ali, Ali left uh, due to a, a stupid medical error. And, you know, he was uh, the simplest medical uh, procedures, uh, you know, surgical procedures. And the, the surgeon did five mistakes in a row. All of them are mistakes. All of them were preventable. Okay. And all of them were fixable. And Ali died. Ali left. And, and, you know, if you asked me at that time, at the time I was chief business officer of Google X, very, very well off. Every dream. I mean, I was born and raised in Egypt. I didn't have much dreams in life at all. Huh? And, and then I'm like an international success and doing all of that stuff. And I promise you, if God had taken, or life, whichever you want to believe in, had taken all of my possessions, everything that I owned, hmm? every car, every dollar, every title, every fancy suit, hmm? and left me with nothing, I would have been okay. It wasn't a test for me. I've been trained for that. I've been through the ups and downs. I can handle this. The biggest test he could have taken is Ali, Okay. Believe it or not, even, even though my daughter Aya is my wonderful sunshine in my life now, but Aya was the risk, the risky one, right? She jumped from aeroplanes and she did the, the crazy stuff. So you would have sort of expected, you know, if something happened to Aya, it was a little more likely than Ali, right? She was a little more in that dangerous life, if you want. But Ali specifically was that little Zen monk who didn't, didn't really, you know, take risks that often. And, you know, was really so loved. It was like... You know why would life take this one hmm? because I, and I mean it's it's stupid to personalize that way,, huh? because life is not about me. It's his life when he went. Hmm? but for from my perspective, it's because this is the ultimate test. This was the only test at the time that would have stretched me a little further, okay? And so, yeah, you take that test. you do you do it well. Now I'm taking the test of thousands of others, like almost because of the way the book became such a success hmm? i i almost participate in thousands of grief moments every week everyone around the world will share with me their grief and i'll i'll tell you and please don't be shocked my story is easier my story horrendous as it is medical mistake in a, you know for a young man that's 21 years old in his prime you know beautiful fit a uh, uh, wise loved hmm, is so much easier so much easier than so many other stories that i receive hmm? and when you think about it that way you go like St- stupid impossible impossible to say but believe it or not even losing ali was not the worst case scenario i could have lost him in a much more horrendous painful and you know and 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 difficult way
2: yeah no i i you and i are you had said uh, earlier, we're more alike than you think, even though you're slow-mo and I'm fast Joe.
0: <laughs> exactly, fast Joe.
2: <laughs> you're very, very similar. And um, all right, all right, let, let's, let's, go, let's go to this place. Uh, three things people could do on a daily basis you've learned after talking to all the people you talk to, going through this uh, tough tragedy you had, being at Google X, three things every day people should practice or do to be a little happier.
0: I think that I, so, so let's start with happiness is like fitness, meeting yourself and taking charge. Okay. So, so let's, let's take those with a few examples. Happiness, happiness truly is like fitness. Most people don't understand that, but you know, if you, you know, there are a hundred thousand people out there in your neighborhood that are claiming they figured out, the exact mechanics of like this machine and that contraption and those many exercises. And you do this and that, and you'll get fit. When, when you and I speak, you tell me, look, it's about getting fit and pushing your limits. Sorry, eating healthy and pushing your limits, right? It's, it's, it's simple as that. Make fitness your priority enough so that you don't eat the cheesecake, at least not all the time. Hmm? And, 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 you know, practice, practice, now, our, our happiness is exactly the same. Huh? It just follows, instead of the responses that muscles do to, fat, to fatigue, happiness follows something that's known as neuroplasticity. Hmm? You need to uh, make happiness your priority so that when you make choices, you make choices that are based on, this will make me happier, not, not just richer, not just you know, a better title, not just uh, you know, get a, 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 a prettier boyfriend or girlfriend and so on. Look for th- choices that make you happier. And do the work. I, I say go to the happiness gym four to five times a week. Hmm? What is going to the happiness gym? It's basically understanding the reasons that make you unhappy. Spending time with people that are happy. Don't spend time with people that are miserable and you bring your, their problems to you. Uh, it is about uh, you know maybe watching a documentary, listening to uh, a podcast, uh, you know reading a book, whatever that is. It is about. Uh, uh, doing certain practices, like you know the, the the Spartan line, imagining that you're going below the lines so that you find gratitude. Fantastic, right? That one practice. If you can do this frequently, to to really remind yourself of the reasons why you should be happy. You know, if you want to do yoga, do yoga. If you want to meditate, meditate. Whatever it is, but find practices that make you happy and do more of them. I, I I shy away from saying what exact practice because each of us is different. Hmm? But if you at least commit to watching an hour a day, uh, uh, you know, three to four times a week of a, a conversation around happiness until you figure out your own challenges, once you find your own challenges and your own practices, do more of these, okay? And the trick is, again, remember you taught me uh, Workout has to be the first thing in the morning. Hmm? Yes, your well-being has to be the first thing in the morning. So, you know, I, I work out the first thing in the morning, like you like you said, but I also meditate the first thing in the morning. I, I have an exercise that I call Meet Becky the first thing in the morning. I'll tell you about it in point number two and so on and so forth. But make those things your priorities. So do them first. Give them the time first. Put them in your calendar first and then do everything else. That's one. The second is, I say, I call it meet Becky or meet yourself. Meet yourself is a very difficult exercise. Uh, you know, I was training um, a, a group, 14 very high net worth individuals uh, from Northern Europe once. And, uh, you know, around four hours, it was a three days retreat, so we were not rushed. But around four hours into the retreat, uh, I was on the second line of my first slide, four hours in. Because they debated everything. So I would say uh, everyone wants to be happy. For example, I don't remember the exacts, but that statement would receive a debate from someone that is then debated by someone that is then debated by the third. And then the third would debate the first again. And they would constantly debate. And I loved it. I mean, I was in no rush because in reality, happiness is a journey where you find your own self. So I was like, yeah, go ahead. And then four hours in, I asked them and I said, guys, are you okay with the pace we're going through? And they said, yeah, yeah, this is very useful. It's, you know, debate is helping us get to the truth. I was like, that's fascinating because, you know, the truth This is really happiness is all found in the truth. But can I ask you a question? And they said, yes. And I said, if debate is helping you get to the truth, have you ever debated anything your brain told you? And they were quiet for a while. Like, seriously, what do you mean? Like my brain knows the truth. And I said, that's actually not the truth. And if you actually debate that statement that your brain knows the truth, you might actually not debate the other guy, but rather listen to what the other guy is saying, because it could change your mind a little. And I and I think this idea of meeting yourself hmm, is so fundamental to finding happiness, because most of our unhappiness results from conditioning of things that are not good for us that we become uh, so associated with, right? Uh, You know, all of those things that we're told are important when in reality, they're not important for us at all. The way we look, the way we, uh, the possessions that we have, having a bigger house than the neighbor, and those ideas that we believe in so strongly, they require revisiting, they require debate. But that debate is not happening between you and others. It's happening between you and you and party. So I actually have a daily exercise that I call "Meet Becky," which is 25 minutes in the morning, where I'm not meditating, I'm actually listening to my brain, listening with notes, so I take notes, okay? And I have two, pra- two, two guidelines for that practice. One is, my brain is allowed to say anything that it wants. I will acknowledge what it says, not debate it, not, you know, push back. And I will ask for the next thing. So my brain will say, hey, by the way, uh, your daughter hates you. Ooh, interesting, Becky. You think my daughter hates me? All right, let's write that down. What else? Okay, Uh, you're going to be late for uh, for your meeting. Oh, we're going to be late for the meeting. What What else? What else? What else? Just get it all out. Purge it out of your head. And then the second practice is Becky's not allowed to say the same thing twice. And that little practice changes everything. Somehow, when you start listening to your brain, your brain goes like, shit, he's listening. I need to say something intelligent now. And when you start to tell it, but but you're not allowed to say the same thing twice, very quickly, you realize that all of this noise in your head, hmm, somehow actually runs out very quickly. In my case, normally within 11 minutes, I'm at total silence. You go to your brain and go like, well, yeah, so brain, what else? Uh, your daughter doesn't love you. Okay, you told me that before. What else? And it goes like, "Um, that's it really. I have nothing else to say, right? When that exercise, something amazing happens. Suddenly you start to see things in front of you that are bullshit when you see them in front of you. It's like, where did you where did you come up with that It's like my my daughter doesn't as a matter of fact on whatsapp she just texted me that yesterday night saying i love you papa like where the f did you get that from and by revisiting some of those by revisiting my relationship with women my my beliefs in terms of my uh, you know career what matters to me in terms of financial success what matters to me in terms of my Uh, Your relationship with friends, what matters to me in social media, and so on and so forth. When you start to debate those things, your life flips upside down because you suddenly realize that 90% of your unhappiness is what I call unnecessary unhappiness. It's driven by things you don't even want. You know, if they didn't exist at all, you wouldn't even care about them. But you've been conditioned to care about them that much. The third thing, which I think is really the core is that people believe that that happiness comes from outsiders, that life gives us the conditions to be happy or unhappy, and that's absolutely not true. That's exactly what Fast Joe will will say about fitness, okay? Life is to be taken charge of, right? You have the right to tell yourself, I am going to be happy. It's predictable. It follows an equation. There are lots of teachings out there, whether you know by embodying yourself in your in your in your own physical form like joe says or by uh, practicing gratitude like the spiritual teacher says or by looking at what i call the six grand illusions that's what mo says okay and and the the only common thing among all of them is you have to take charge if you don't take charge good luck it's, it's simply like if you don't take charge of your diet you're going to be 600 pounds there's no way uh, outside of that, right? It's, it's, it's the typical way we're designed. And, um, and happiness, and I know it upsets a lot of people, is a choice. It's a choice. I'm going to look at the situation we're in right now and either tell myself, uh, I hate my life, or tell myself, okay, life has changed. What am I going to do about it? What am I going to do about my business? What am I going to do about being locked down? What am I, what am I, what am I going to do about being fit when in an environment that is not as easy to, to, to be out as I, as I used to be? What else? Whatever. Hmm? But I am in charge. And unless I accept that, that happiness is not happening to me from outside me, it's the result of every action that I decide to take. Yeah, you'll, you'll never get there. So, so I keep reminding myself with targets and objectives. Just like, you know, you would tell people, uh, eat this and do that and don't do this and do that. I do, my, I do the same. I say, okay, you su- you're suffering a little bit of the illusion of control recently, okay? Here are the practices you need to do to ensure, to remind yourself that life will go out of control. And this is the, these are the practices that you will do to ensure that you do committed acceptance, that you can actually accept when things go out of control and do something about it so that you can make things better. I
2: love it. I love it. How
0: do people find you? Um, uh, Slow Mo is the podcast. You'll find that on all uh, on all uh, podcast uh, apps, uh, S-L-O-M-O. Um, my um, Instagram is Mo underscore Gaudet. My Facebook is Mo.Gaudet.Official. My uh, LinkedIn is gaudet, and my Twitter is MGaudet. Of course, you can search for Soul for Happy or One Billion Happy uh, as websites, but... Who uses websites? So uh, get in touch. Actually, I answer as, as I try really hard to answer every single message I get personally. There is not a machine and not a bot answering. I answer every question. And uh, yeah, get in touch and uh, hopefully I can uh, be part, a small part of your journey to happiness.
2: I love it. I love it. And you're, and you promised to come do a Spartan race. So together.
0: Oh man, don't put, don't, you know, when, when I committed that in front of my audience on slow mo, I can handle them. Now you're committing me in front of your audience.
1: This episode of Spartan Up is brought to you by Headspace. You deserve to feel happier and Headspace is meditation made simple. Go to headspace.com Spartan for a free one month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation.